pastor for the opportunity to share the word. I always, in, it, I always consider it a privilege to share the word of the Lord. Uh, and and uh, you know that God is good. You know, uh, there, there have been times in my life that I've been a little bit stubborn. I don't know about you. I remember uh, when I was up at Grandpa's store, uh, Pastor Kevin, that uh, it was must have been the summertime, and and uh, he wanted to give me something to do. And so he had some horseshoes that he wanted painted black. And so he gave me that job to, to paint them black, and he said, just dip them in the paint. He left. So I started dipping them in the paint, and I realized I couldn't get them around there, and so I just dipped my whole hand in the paint. What a mess. <laughs> paint all over my hands when he come back. But I had gotten all those horseshoes done. You know, it's, it's just shows uh, sometimes what our stubbornness and our willfulness will do when we are doing our own thing. Uh, and sometimes we even do it just uh, a little bit unintentionally. I'll just tell you something that happened a couple of weeks ago. Uh, at Stephanie, where Stephanie works, they're moving over to the next door. And uh, the fellow that had had that unit had put paint all over the windows, three, two big windows and and two double doors, painted them all up, you know, telling that this is that all his story as to why he was leaving and everything and where the people could reach him and all that. So Stephanie said, well, we've got a scraper. And uh, so I found myself volunteered to do that. And, and so I got the scraper out. She had just bought it, and so I cracked the pa package open. And I started scraping, and I started scraping, and I started scraping. It took me about a half hour to get a section that's about that long. And I said, man, I think I'm going to have to change this blade out. So I popped that thing open and looked at the blade. And I said, I've been scraping with the dull edge for a half hour. <laughs> so I turned that thing over and... Got the other two-thirds of the window scraped off in a half hour. <laughs> it come up so much easier. Uh, and I just share those stories to, to say that sometimes, you know, we just get willful. Sometimes it's not intentional. But sometimes we need to just listen to Holy Spirit. And, and He gives us wisdom and understanding and to know what to do. And sometimes we question God as, as far as what we are to do. And if we are to do something, you ever argue with God? And who wins? <laughs> he usually wins, doesn't he? Right. And I, I share that because before we get into the message, I, you know, I just must say that I feel like there's somebody that's got a bruise on their bicep, on their right arm. Who is that person that's got that bruise on their bicep? Just real sore at pain. I'm not feeling it now, but I was feeling it earlier. Uh, 
just felt like the Lord was telling me there's someone in here that has that. Or maybe they're watching my line, online. Okay. Uh, and the other thing I, that I was not feeling but I was hearing is a pancreas, the word pancreas. And, and is that you, Matthew? Pancreatitis? Okay. We believe that when the, there's a word of knowledge that God speaks to someone, that, that the reason for that is because he wants to heal. He wants to minister. Oh, okay. Okay. So can you, would you allow Stephen to come over there and sit closer to you for a minute? Okay. Stephen is one of our ministry school fellows, and he's full of the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to ask him to, to just put his hand right there on your shoulder there, and, and we're going to agree together right now that God's going to touch you, and God's going to touch your significant other as well. In Jesus' name, you, O oh Lord, give a word so that you can fulfill and you can show out for your glory that you are God even though the doctors may say something, you have the answer. You are the divine healer, Lord. Minister unto Matthew right now in Jesus' name and touch his significant other also and others who may be watching that may have the similar problem. Minister in healing Jesus right now for we know that you can do that in Jesus' name. One, one more person right here at your at your belt line. You have a pain in your back, or maybe it's where your, your kidneys are. And who would that person be? Okay, Philip. Lord, we pray for Philip right now that you would touch him. That you would minister unto his back, his kidneys. Right there, Lord, in Jesus' name, bring healing and relief from that pain, Lord. We thank you for it. We give you glory and honor and praise, Lord. And touch Caleb also at home as he's not feeling well and he's got walking pneumonia, Lord. Minister unto him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, now we can get into the message, all right? I feel released now, Pastor. Now we can go home. I just say amen and we'll go home. Now, <laughs> talking tonight about the wonderful presence of Holy Spirit. And we've certainly felt his presence here already, you know, in every part of the service. And so glad to have Pastor Zach back. I, you know, I, I do what I can, Pastor, but uh, so glad to have you back to lead us in worship tonight. Praise the Lord. Uh, last Wednesday night, he was at uh, Field of Faith. And uh, they went inside to the gymnasium, and uh, they had a crowd they could not number. But uh, there was a great number of young people there worshiping the Lord, and we praise God for that. Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law 
or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? And you know, we in America, we have pockets of people that want to, even as, as Gentile Christians, go back to Judaism and pull some things out of there. Now, we teach the tabernacle class, which talks about the tabernacle and, and how they offered the sacrifices. But our point in teaching the tabernacle is to show how Christ is portrayed there. But there are people that even go so far as to not even to say in the name of Jesus, they always say, oh, Yeshua. As if there is some kind of righteousness in saying Yeshua. Or they celebrate the feast. And, and Paul has told us in his writings, and in, in this place right here too as well, he, he's saying to the Galatians, he's saying, you guys are foolish to go back and try to, to keep all the feast of Israel, to keep the Passover, to keep, keep the law, to keep the Sabbath. You are foolish to go back and do that. And he asked a question, if you've begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the works of the flesh? Which is a very good question. We are not. We, we do good works. We do things for the Lord. We do things for other people. We try to be a good-natured person and a good individual in our lives. And that's good, and, and that's the way you should. But you don't get to heaven. You don't get brownie points by doing that. You know, that's just expected of you as being a Christian. That God has changed your personality from the cantankerous old jerk you used to be. <laughs> and all of us can say, oh me, or amen. But Holy Spirit, the question I've got, the first question is this. Does Holy Spirit only work in us at baptism? Because as charismatic Christians, we understand about baptism and Holy Spirit baptism. And, and that, that's a, a question I think that Paul is addressing to the Galatians here, saying you've begun in the Spirit, you know, are you made perfect in the flesh? But Holy Spirit, what kind of work does he do inside of us? And when does his work start? Now, I don't even have this in my notes, but I forgot to have this because I've started where we get saved. But when a person is lost, they cannot come to the Lord unless Holy Spirit draws them. Unless Holy Spirit goes before and ministers unto them. Now, it takes a believer to be faithful to share the word then with them. To be faithful to do what God tells them to do. I'm going to tell you a little story about when I was in college as a youth pastor, summer intern. Went, went up to Petoskey, Michigan, which is, they have about two weeks of summer every year. And, and uh, I, w I was a youth pastor up there in a town of about 7,000 people. Uh, but got there and I was so excited to begin. And on Sunday night, they didn't have service. And so I, I didn't get to minister to the young people or to see them at all in, in a, like a one-on-one -on -one setting. It was more geared toward baccalaureate because that's what they had. And so, boy, was that dry. 
And when I got done with that, I went back to the place where I was staying, and I was praying, and I said, Lord, use my friends, use Tom Cash, use Jerry, Pastor Kevin's brother, and, and use others that I could think of, you know, that, that were in ministry during the summer. And finally, I said, Lord, use me. And the Lord spoke to my heart, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, and he said, go stand on the street corner. So I put my jacket on and started walking downtown. And as I was walking downtown, didn't see very many people, but right in the middle of downtown, they had a park. And I looked across on the corner. Well, I say not quite on the corner, Lord. They're in the park, but I don't feel like they're not on the corner. Those are not the people that you wanted me to talk to. And, you know, they could have been, but, but here, let me tell you the rest of the story. So I started walking back to where I was staying, and as I was walking back, I crossed a street and got up on a street corner, and a guy pulled up in a car behind me and hollered out the window and said, Hey, you want to go for a ride? And I said, Sure, without even thinking. And the enemy said, You've been picked up. But the Holy Spirit said, go, but I am with you. And I went with him and rode around. He talked to me about the whole area, you know, because it's like a three-town area up there. And he shared, opened up some things with me, and he asked why I was there. And I began to share Christ with him and led him to Christ. And if you want to know, yes, he did pick me up. You see, God had other intentions because he was drawing him by the Holy Spirit, but he was leading me by the Holy Spirit. We need to be people that are sensitive enough to know the presence of Holy Spirit around us and know when he speaks to us, know when he's talking to us because he's talking to us all the time and he wants us to listen. Does this mean we've got to be weird? No. I knew a preacher one time that he would be preaching in a way and then he would stop and say, oh, oh yes, Holy Spirit. Okay, I'll say that. You remember that, Pastor? And I, that, that just hit me a little wrong. <laughs> you know, but we've got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, though, and be willing to do things that are out of the ordinary, just like what I, my illustration that I gave you. Do things that are out of the ordinary, expecting that God is with us and He's going to lead us and guide us by His Spirit. Now, John chapter 3 talks about the beginnings of Holy Spirit in our walk. Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, and Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, Well, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now, I don't want to get into this big discussion about uh, what it means to be born of the water, you know, because there's a couple of different 
viewpoints of that. One viewpoint saying that that you have to be a human being because you're born of water when your mom's water breaks, you know. And the other discussion says, well, you have to be baptized in water. Well, the, my, my point in sharing the scripture was not about that. You can have either one of those viewpoints. You know, I don't think it changes our discussion about Holy Spirit. But we have to be born again by Holy Spirit. You can't just go through the motions and decide that you're going to be a Christian. Well, I woke up this morning and I decided, well, I'm going to be a Christian today. Well, no, that ain't the way it works. Isn't the way it works. You know, you come to a place where you know what you need to do, you make a change in your life, and then you surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You are drawn by Holy Spirit to do that. And when you do, you are then born again by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes and lives inside you. Now, let me ask you this question. Were the disciples saved by following Jesus? That's an interesting question, isn't it? Were they saved by following Jesus? I don't think so. Because if they were, then Judas would have been saved, right? He wasn't saved. And Peter really wasn't saved because Jesus talked to him. And Jesus, uh, and I didn't write this up there, uh, guys, but Luke twenty-two thirty-two it says this. Jesus said to Peter, Satan has desired to sift you. Then Jesus said to him, but when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. So Peter, at that point when before Jesus died on the cross, Peter had not yet been converted. And I dare say, we know and we expect and we, we believe that salvation is by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrection, right? That apart from his death on the cross and his resurrection, we're not saved. Because he paid the price, just like we sang about tonight. I'm pointing to the picture up on the wall. He paid the price for our salvation. So we are saved by believing in what he has done, and we are born again by faith in him. But again, it's the finished work. So the disciples were probably not saved at that point. They were just following along with Jesus. Well, you know, okay, what do you want us to do now, Lord? Oh, you want us to break bread with these for these people? All right, where do you want us to get bread first, and then do you want us to break bread? Oh, well, Lord, hey, wait a minute. These people, the Samaritans, you're going to Jerusalem, and they don't want to have us a, give us a place to stay. You want us to just call down fire from heaven on them? That was really a Christian thing to do, wouldn't it be? Have you ever thought of doing that? Somebody called fire from heaven down them? Maybe you felt like it. The disciples really wanted to do that, but they weren't converted until after Jesus died and rose again. John chapter 20. Jesus had died and he rose from the dead. In verse 21, Jesus appeared and he said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. 
If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. When Jesus breathed on them, they were born again. Now, what did they have to do? They had to breathe in, right? When you are saved, you have to breathe in of the life of God into your lungs, into your spirit, into your being. Jesus breathed on them, and they breathed that in. They believed that he had died and he had risen again, and they were saved at that point. When you believe that Jesus died and that he rose again, and you accept that for your salvation, you are born again. Amen. You are a believer. Holy Spirit now lives inside you. He's there. He's there. Question, does this mean that every believer is baptized in Holy Spirit? That's an interesting question too, isn't it? Is every believer baptized in Holy Spirit? Have to say no. Every believer is not baptized in Holy Spirit, but every believer has Holy Spirit inside of them. Baptist, Catholic, Charismatic, Pentecostal, Methodist, whoever they are, if they believe in Jesus Christ, they have Holy Spirit living inside of them. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39, Peter on the day of Pentecost says this, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's water baptism. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So, repent. And Brother Gorman really brought this home the last time he was with us before he passed away. He said, repentance is not taught, preached, as it should be in the United States. And I think that, that we, this group that we have here, we can make a difference with that, can't we? Repentance means this. Repentance means I'm going in this direction. It's the wrong way, right? My life, full of sin, full of despair, full of darkness, full of all kinds of gunk. I stop. I say, God, forgive me. Be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. I need Jesus Christ in my life. I make a turn away from the world and away from the things of darkness, and I turn toward the light, toward Jesus Christ. That's repentance. That's repentance. It's making a 180-degree turn away. Randy, we were at a meeting when we were having meetings here, and one of the fellows shared in the discussion at the first of the meeting, uh, Power to Choose meeting, he said, I just made a, just so happy I've made a 360-degree turn. I said, I had to interject interject. I said, wait a minute. No, you haven't. <laughs> because you're going the same direction. If you've made a 360-degree turn, you've made a 180-degree turn because you've turned away from the things you used to do. You've turned away from them, and you've turned toward Jesus Christ. Amen. But, you know, we all know, and Stephanie is, shares this, if you've talked to her about her freedom from addiction to alcohol. She's been free for 29 years. It'll be 30 years the next May. But 
She says that she could not do it just by doing the steps, 12 steps. She did that, but she still failed. It was only as she had Jesus Christ as her higher power that she was able to walk in fullness. Now, here's a crazy thing, too. She says that when she walked into the church down in Homestead, Pastor, I don't know when, if you were born again at that point, I don't know. But anyway, she walked into the church, and it was they were praising and worshiping, but she started praising and worshiping the Lord in tongues already. While she was, <laughs> before, you know, Peter said, you know, or, or you know, at uh, Cornelius' house, Peter was preaching in chapter 10 of Acts. Peter was preaching, and the people started speaking in tongues as he was preaching. And Peter said, can anybody forbid water that these can't be baptized? And they've spoken in tongues just as we have. They've already made a decision, and the Holy Spirit is upon them. Yeah. Wow. Isn't God good? Amen. But it, we have to overcome by the help of the Holy Spirit and by the help of Christ, by having Him be our higher power. So Peter said, repent, be baptized. And Peter made a distinction between then salvation and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what we believe is this, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit then is a second distinct act of grace in God's kingdom. Salvation being first, and now Holy Spirit baptism being second. And then Holy Spirit baptism, it, that works a great, wonderful work in your life. You know, which we don't, I, I hadn't planned to go into that tonight, okay? There's so much there, but let's continue on. Because I want to talk about, uh, is this gift that Peter talked about available to all believers? Peter told the people on the day of Pentecost, if you repent, if you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, then you will have this gift. Then can have this gift. That's what Peter said. So you can receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. Remember what we'd said before. When you get saved, you breathe in of Holy Spirit. Jesus breathed on them. They had the Holy Spirit. They received Holy Spirit inside of them when they got saved. You did as well. And no matter if they're, again, if they're Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, or Lutheran, Episcopalian, we could name all of them, they have Holy Spirit living inside of them if they believe in Jesus Christ, if they've been born again. But then there's an interesting thing that happens. In John chapter 7, Jesus is passing by the priests who are going through a ritual of pouring water out. It's a, it's a ceremony that they do on one of the feast days. And Jesus says this, Verse 37, on that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, Hey, remember, he's out there inside the city of Jerusalem, you know, and, and he's there, and you don't have a microphone. So he hollers out, Hey, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. What would you think if somebody said that to you? You'd think, now that's a little weird, right? Right? But here he went on to say, he who believes in me, that's what I'm talking about, he's saying. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, King James Version says, out of his belly, 
shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. That's John's remark. That's what we call a parenthetical statement there, that last verse. So John, being the author of this gospel, says, okay, Holy Spirit's not been given yet. Jesus is talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So let's go back to what Jesus said. He said, those who are filled with the Holy Spirit, wait a minute, he didn't say that, did he? He said, those who believe in me, that's what he said, out of their belly or out of their innermost being or out of the heart shall flow rivers of living water. You know you can tell if a person is a Christian or not? You can. Without them even opening their mouth, really, you can usually tell, hey, there's something different about you. And that's what it is. Holy Presence of Holy Spirit. When a person is baptized in Holy Spirit, that rises up, the Holy Spirit rises up within them until they are just bubbling and they cannot contain it. They're just like cookies. They can't shut up, right? <laughs> she loves to talk. They're just like, uh, they're just like cookies. They're just bubbling up inside of themselves and overflowing with the love of God and the good things of God. Now, filled with the Holy Spirit, now he's bubbling up and out and through them. This word phrase will flow, by the way, is the verb form of the word rhema. The word rhema is what we talk about when we have a word of the Lord. That's a rhema word. That's a powerful word of the Lord that God gives, like Pastor Kevin was giving earlier. You know, that powerful word of the Lord. So when we are filled with Holy Spirit, that wells up within us and that out of us that water that living water so that we proclaim the good things of the Lord Amen Amen it's bubbling up out of us and usually people speak in other tongues classical Pentecostals say that is the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit some charismatics don't accept that. And I'm sorry for that. I feel sad. Because I have found in my life the gift of the prayer language is so wonderful and so beneficial. When I can pray in the Spirit, you know, I just, I don't know what to pray for sometimes. But if I pray in the Spirit, He shows up and He flows through me. He speaks words that, you know, I just don't know. And a lot of times, Maybe I shouldn't be praying for people the way I am, Matt. Because sometimes I would pray the wrong things. <laughs> I might pray, Lord, get them. And Holy Spirit might be wanting to say, have mercy, oh God. So that's, uh, that's the time I really need to be praying in tongues, right? I really need to be praying in the Spirit. When get myself out of the way. 
Now, the next question, question number five, once a person is baptized in the Holy Spirit, is that all there is? You know, we used to, when I pastored in the Assembly of God Church, we used to have a criteria for selecting board members, Brother Sherman, and that criteria was that person had to be a Christian, but they also had to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. didn't matter if they hadn't, don't have an active prayer life and don't actively speak in tongues. If they had been baptized in the Holy Spirit 20 years ago, they were eligible to be a deacon. But that's not what God wants. God wants our walk in Him to be a consistent day-by-day walk in Him. So there is more to our life after being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And there's so much that I could share with you tonight, but I just got a few things that I, I thought of here. In Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So that's the agape love. That agape love, by the way, agape was not a word that was commonly used by the Greeks in the classical literature that preceded the coming of Christ. It was a word that was rarely used, and so therefore he could take that word and adapt it, and it's used throughout the New Testament, primarily talking about the love that Christ had and talking about the love that we as believers should have. Here's simple definition of the agape love that God wants us to have. Bob McDonald shared this. He said, agape love is a love that will cause us to allow ourselves to be beaten to a bloody pulp for somebody else and crucified on a cross so for their benefit. Because that's what Jesus did. It was his agape love that took him to the cross. That's love. It's an unconditional love. It doesn't love people because they're lovely. It doesn't love people because they're easy to love. It loves people in spite of. That's the love of God that he wants us to have. And it's in our hearts. King James Version says, it is spread abroad in our hearts. Just, you know, this is, New King James says poured out in our hearts, but spread abroad in our hearts gives kind of a fuller meaning, doesn't it? Where it's something that that love just begins to permeate every part of our being. Where everything we do then is controlled by the love of God. This is why Paul could say in his life, he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of Christ which gave himself for me. That's the love of God. The love of God looks the hater in the eye and sees them not as a person to be despised, but as a person that God loves so much that Jesus died for them too and that we can love them. That's, that's heavy, I know. It really is. He flows into every room in our heart if we let him. 
And okay, now I have love. So I, can I stop there if I have love? I have the love of God in me, I have the Holy Spirit in me. I can stop right there, I can park. No, I have to keep climbing higher, right? Climbing higher. Turn that page and I didn't have the highlight on there and it's because I, the, my marker covered up my scripture verse and so I had to put the marker on the back side of the page. If you were wondering what I'm doing, there you know. Okay. Here's what Paul said in Romans chapter 14, 14 through 17. I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Now, the Romans were Gentile believers. They didn't keep the ritual laws, and so he's writing to them about keeping the do's and the don'ts and the law and all of that. You know, we had that when we were growing up, too, didn't we, Pastor Kevin? We didn't smoke, and we didn't chew, and we didn't go with girls at beers. So, you know, and that was, <laughs> we were religious, and we had to break free from that. And our freedom is in Christ. Let, yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you're no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. In another place in the, gospel, in, in the epistles, Paul writes about this situation. And, and he says, if you're eating and someone says, that meat was offered to an idol. Don't eat the meat for their benefit if they, because they are, would be offended if you did that. That's, that's kind of what he was talking about here. And the other thing, angle of it is this, that he's telling the Gentile believers, you don't have to follow the Jewish dietary laws. We don't have to eat kosher just because we become Christians. Aren't you glad? Everybody that likes bacon, say amen. <laughs> we don't have to. We don't, I, you know, I had a pork chop for dinner last night and I had the leftovers for lunch. You know, it, Jewish people can't do that. But I'm a Christian. I, I'm free from that. Amen. I don't have to follow that. I don't have to be under that rigidity to be a Christian. Amen. I'm free. Let's go on. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil, verse 16. Verse 17, here it is. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is not just because you say that you eat all kosher food doesn't make you a Christian. That's what he's saying. Just because you eat all the right things doesn't mean you're a believer. No more than walking into a garage makes you a car. It doesn't. You're a believer because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. And then the Holy Spirit being inside of you. And the positive part of that is wonderful. Because he says the kingdom of God is righteousness. Not my righteousness, but his he makes me right with God. Amen. That's what righteousness is. I'm forgiven. Hallelujah. Now I've got a reason for living, as the songwriter said. 
I am able also to make the right choices with the help of Holy Spirit. That's what righteousness is too. Because Holy Spirit is in my ear and when I go to do something, he said, don't do that. Or he says, do this. Right? If I listen, Holy Spirit is there ministering to me, to my heart. And then the next thing he gives me is peace. The kingdom of God is righteousness and it's peace. Peace. What a wonderful word. Peace. What's he give us? He gives us peace with God. So that we can say, God, because you've given me the righteousness of Jesus Christ, you've clothed me with that robe. I am no longer the man or woman I used to be. Now I have peace with you, Lord. Now I know that I can go into your presence because I have peace with you. I have peace with myself because before I had met Christ, I was struggling and wrestling with all the things of this world and the things of the flesh and all of these things that would attack me. I was wrestled with those things. But now, because of Christ, I have peace. I have peace. And then I also have the third thing. Peace with others. I can be at peace with other people. Because Holy Spirit will tell me how to deal with situations. If I listen, then he will help me. Amen. And the third thing that the kingdom of God is, is joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy is not happiness, by the way. Happiness is based on happenings. You know, you got a check in the mail, or you got a raise, or, or you know, you got bought a brand new car, or you met the special guy or special girl. Those are happenings, and you're happy. But joy is in spite of circumstances, you have the joy of the Holy Ghost. You have the joy of the Holy Ghost because of what God is doing in your life and how Holy Spirit is alive and well inside of you. Amen. Praise God. And it's in spite of all the circumstances. And it's the presence of Holy Spirit with you. Now, question number seven, final question. Hope you've got all these right so far. Does the working of Holy Spirit ever end in our lives? And the answer is no, it should not. Should not. You know, of course, Scripture says, grieve not the Holy Spirit whereby you are called. So we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We want to listen to Him and, and obey Him. Jude chapter 1 that's why I didn't put the chapter up there because there's only one chapter but here it says this in verse 17 but you beloved say that's me amen I'm loved by God you beloved remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, 
not having the spirit before after not long after he wrote this there was a fellow by the name of Serenthus that claimed to be a Christian but he was actually a Gnostic person uh, he had special knowledge and his deal was just like Jude says here Serenthus had multiple relationships with women and yet said he was still a believer in spite of it and would teach other people that that was okay because that was his flesh and he was a Gnostic and so he believed that his flesh was evil but his spirit was redeemed. Jude prophesied about that, that that would come. You see them out there today, they're out there. You know, today though they say, I'm looking for my truth. When I hear my truth, then my truth will be a good. My truth will be accepted. And I can accept the people who believe in my truth. That's what Jesus said. John 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. That's the truth. He's the only way to God. Amen. Let me go on to read here. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. But you, beloved, building up your, yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy, holy Spirit. When you pray in the Spirit, by the way, in your prayer language, and your, in your private time, you're building up your faith. You're building up yourself in Christ as you do that. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a, a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. The final statement I'll make is this. Holy Spirit is able to keep us from falling. He's able to present us sanctified before Almighty God and to give us great joy. Amen. Let's stand together tonight. Praise the Lord. Thank you, mighty God, that you look upon us and you understand our weaknesses and our frailties. And when Jesus came, you knew that when he died and rose again, that you had to send the Holy Spirit to come and be with us, to be our guide, our comforter, our companion. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing that. Thank you for being with us day by day. Never leave us, O Lord, but constantly lead us and guide us, direct us into your steps, and help us, Lord, to be faithful to you and to prove your will and prove your kingdom. And Lord, let your mighty joy and your peace and your righteousness be spread in us and your love spread in us, O oh Lord. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Thanks for coming tonight.